0: Hi, this is Vivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th. And Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at ZiviOwens.com or bookendsmemoir.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at ZiviOwens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Alyssa Shalasky is the author of This Might Be Too Personal and Other Intimate Stories. Alyssa is the editor of New York Magazine's Sex Diaries and author of Apron Anxiety. She is also starring and producing in the Sex Diaries docuseries on HBO. She has written for numerous publications, including the New York Times, People, Town & Country, Women's Health, Refinery29, Cosmopolitan, and Glamour Magazine. She lives with her family in Brooklyn Heights. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me right here, sitting on your lap. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I couldn't figure out how to set up two microphones because it's been several years since I've been doing in-person podcasts. So, uh, yeah, we're sharing this this intimate mic. <laughs> wow. Well,
1: that's the name of the book, I and guess. perfect. And other intimate stories yes. like cuddling I- with Zibby and doing her <laughs>
0: <podcast>. <laughs> Hashtag Cuddle Factory. Okay, Alyssa, I know I emailed you right after I finished this book, but... I loved your book. I, like, fell in love with you as a person, not in, like, a creepy way. And now I'm, like, touching your pieces. it's oh, no. even creepier. But <laughs> you just, all of the stuff that you went through and the growth and the hardships and then the ending. And, like, you took us through so much stuff, like, all the stuff of life. And yet you wrote it in such a way that, like, you could digest it quickly and you were turning page. I was, like, flipping through the pages frantically and just wanting more and more and more and so rooting for you. So I feel like it will be impossible for anyone to finish this and not just like be forever like rooting for your success in every way.
1: So, oh, thank you. I it's you know, you're so like sen- it's a, such a sensitive time when you put a book out and you're just like approval is your oxygen <laughs> right now. And I'm not used to that because I kind of like like to move through the world not giving a shit what anybody (laughs) thinks about me. And then you write a book and you put a book out there and it's the exact opposite. And you just like want to know that people liked it. And it was a pandemic book in like the most unpleasant sense of the word. It was so hard to write it and get it done with my kids at home and no help and all my deadlines and burying friends and I don't have to tell you. It was the worst time. And so I wrote this book kind of in... It felt like a fever dream. I don't even remember a lot of it. I'm sort of like, what's it going to ask me about? Because I hope I, I, it just, I wrote it. I promised myself to tell the truth, to be only myself, and to get it done. And that was like the extent of the work I did on it. So I'm glad to dig in with you because I don't remember (laughs) what I said. (laughs) No, I, you know, but uh, it was, it was a pandemic book. It's raw and it's honest and there's tension in there. And, I, I, and it, you know, that's that's the reality. That was the reality. So hopefully it made the book even, like, more authentic because I definitely didn't have time to obsess over how it made me sound or what I was saying. It was just honest and uh, raw and real.
0: Well, it, it shows – well,
1: first of all, it shows –
0: it's like an expose and what it's like when you're a writer and have all these dreams and aspirations and how – unstable, unstable, like a revenue stream that provides, right? And the things that you had to juggle, and we were talking earlier about, you know, there was this whole element of you trying to sell a show. I feel like that was like the through line of the thing. You really, from the beginning, wanted to sell a show and all of that, and how you can even put all of your effort towards selling something for TV and then miss out on all the income you might have earned or the products you would have done and how it's just so hard to the point where like, even like paying for preschool becomes an impossibility, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like this misconception that all these like Brooklyn writers were all trust fund babies or whatever. And it's never been like that for me. Like writing is the way I make a living and I'm very practical about the work I take. I, you know, I have three columns for New York Magazine. I've never missed a deadline. I need those jobs. And then I'm like anybody in any job I'm just like trying to climb the ladder and do better and and get bigger roles at bigger jobs and um it's a non-stop hustle you know and then you think you're like okay well I have my second book now and and this project and the work is in this project and now I am good and yet it's never enough like when do you when do you stop like when is it enough for me it's you know, I I would like some (laughs) financial stability. And I would just I think I'll know when it's just like, you did it. Mm -hmm. You're a success. Like you go enjoy your kids, go enjoy the new little house you bought. You did it. So I'm not there yet. I'm still sort of like clawing to that place. But yeah, it's never ending. It's tough. It's there's worse jobs for sure. But
0: it's just so ironic because anybody on the outside would think 100% you're successful. Are you kidding? This is your second book. You have this new project coming. You have columns. Like, you've been a working writer for all this time. Like, anyway, I, I know this is only one sliver of the
1: book, but I just... <laughs> Thanks. I, you know, it's a lot of also just like our own inner voices. And I do know, like, I know that I've worked really hard and it's paying off. And, and I have a very cool lifestyle because of it and I know that people like my work and like my voice I do get all of that I mean there's just a lot of like mental gymnastics when you're a writer there's just days where you're like everybody loves me and my work is really you know everyone's relating to my work and 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 I, I everything's happening and I'm gonna get a tv show and I'm gonna write another book and then like in a in a flash you're like Everybody hates me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to throw me a book party. Oh my god! I why is my book like taking up in space on this shelf when there's so many better writers? And I just want to hide and be with my kids and like never show my face again. And I'm unwanted. And then we you- are doing our <laughs> book party together. I'm so excited for that.
0: I can't wait. It I cannot
1: anyway. wait. I thought I was gonna have to sleep in my van because I couldn't find a hotel.
0: Oh no! Do you want to stay with me?
1: I Heath Friedman hooked okay. me up. Okay. My, Shout out to his hotels, but I was like, I'm so. No, my point is, I would not miss that event for the world. I'm so excited. Well, let's talk after. Okay. um,
0: (laughs) So one of the other things I loved is your relationship with your mom, and I we haven't really explained this whole book, but it's essentially your life journey from a set period of time as you navigate relationships, deciding that the very safe traditional guy who you were headed towards marriage is that you don't want that path that so many people happily take and just slide on by. And you're like, that is not my path. And you had the self-assurance and will to say, you know what, I'm going to trust my instincts and this is not right. And I feel like that's something you kept doing over and over in your life, in the book, in your life and until you get to a place that is so authentic but it's in a different path perhaps than other people right like you had a baby and then met the, the the men love of your life essentially which was great but anyway the the parts about your relationship with your parents i mean your mom is like the best character in the book and when you go through ivf or you're doing iui or something mm-hmm. and she's in the room with
1: you should we even tell this story <laughs> This is everybody's favorite is scene. I, I know. I, I need love- to
0: pick the same thing as other people. No, but-
1: I'm thrilled. I am I love my mom. I love for her to ha- She's a, in all my books, all, anything I write, my mom's always the star of it all. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, my... I, I
0: I host a sex talk show, so <laughs> I can say these things now. Tracy has, has trained me that I can actually say it out loud.
1: Oh, well, I write the sex diaries column for New York did, Magazine. Yeah. I mean, I talk about, like... Below jobs and rim jobs and and that pays my rent so okay I had a baby on my own you'll all learn why it's it was a journey but I had to go to my mother was really there for me for all of it as was my father and sister and we it was time for the IUI at NYU and the nurse did the you know turkey baster thing and then she's like, I'm going to le- leave you in here to get dressed and, you know, get up slowly. And my mom was there with me, and she had been super sweet holding my hand and sort of doing her prayers. And when the nurse left, my mother starts to sort of move herself into, like, the med- medicine cabinet at the, like, the supply closet. And I'm like, Mom, where are you going? <laughs> and she said, do you have a vibrator? And I was like, no, I don't have a vibrator. She said, you didn't bring a vibrator? <laughs> and I said, no, Mom. Like, What? <laughs> anyway, she had read an article that after an IUI, if you simulate, simulate like real sex and have an orgasm the way you you might during sex, it actually like gets things flowing a little bit. And so she's just crouched down from the, you know, the. It, you'll read the rest, but um, it, it was quite a moment. <laughs> oh my gosh! I did. I I didn't get. Pregnant that time, and I didn't do the thing she wanted me to do. So maybe (laughs) my mother was right in the end. Who knows? (laughs) She usually always is. But no, like about what you were saying before, like being doing it my way and living an authentic life, like that was actually, I'm so glad you said that because. When I was contemplating writing a second book, I, it was the beginning of the pandemic and I was listening to a ton of podcasts and I would just walk. That's like all I do for my self-care is walk or walk, and listen to podcasts or Audible. And I was walking around and I was listening to uh, Brene Brown and like Krista Tippett and Glennon Doyle all the time. And I love these women and I worship them. But I was like, everyone's talking about vulnerability and authenticity and being your true self. But, like, I actually kind of live my life that way. And maybe instead of just listening to tips and guides on how to do it, like, maybe I can actually show people what that looks like to a normal person in real life. And I started thinking, like, maybe I can show what it's like to be vulnerable when you run away from marriage. Maybe I can show what it's like to be vulnerable at your abortion. Maybe I can show what it's like to be vulnerable when you decide you're ready to have a baby and you are done waiting for a man and you don't give a shit what anybody else has to say about it. Like maybe I can just tell those stories. Nobody's going to come to me to speak on like feminism or women's theory, but I can I can share my personal stories and show people what it felt like and tasted like and smelled like and and uh, and how it all played out. And honestly, like, look, it it worked out. It was scary and painful and and hard. And I had no one telling me which way to turn. But I trusted myself in a real way, and it really did work out.
0: That's so amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. Thank you. I mean, all these different junctures. I feel like you you let us into your decision making process, even the times where you're literally trying to sabotage yourself. Mm. You know, like when you go to the farm and it's like so perfect with this, I don't want to give anything away, but during this one relationship, you have like a time that's actually really nice and, yeah. and welcome, and you like don't even trust it, which I totally <laughs> <I> completely <laughs> relate to. I'm like, this is too good, something's wrong. Totally. Right. So, and you were like, I don't think I can do
1: this, everyone's too, you know, it's just too good. too good or everyone's you know you just go you walk through life sometimes and you're just like everyone's got it all figured out and they're all so beautiful and they're all so in love and they're all so fertile or like whatever it is that like you don't have at that moment I'm like that's that's bullshit like it's exactly the opposite you everyone you meet is going through something and is hurting and has been through trauma and pain and is working through it just like you but yeah it's it's in that moment it was it was a tough spot for me because everyone was just so perfect and I I am not that I am messy (laughs) and I'm flawed and thank god I mean I love that about myself but there it's not always the easiest way to be
0: everyone is messy and flawed is the truth of it and that's what part of what is so amazing about this is like you take all the inner stuff and, and share it and everyone will relate to some piece of this or another, right? It's just yeah. so like... Oh, yeah, she worries about that or she does that. And the way even you share heartbreak and relationships that didn't work out and why and how, you know, I found it so interesting when you, like, loop back around with one of your exes towards the end mm. to find out, like, well, what do you think? Like, just what did we do? Like, what did I do something to destroy this? And
1: Right, because we know. tell our these narratives, we tell ourselves, I mean, it's like therapy 101, but, like, we have these stories, our inner voices, like, can they be trusted, you know? I try to, like, have... I really believe in like perspective and like when you're worked up about something or hurting or upset I try to look at things from every angle and I can say like this is how I feel about it but this is actually what happened and like the two can exist you know but anyway that's how I felt with that ex I was just like in my mind I wrecked everything I ruined, I burned us down I destroyed it and I'm and I'm like a nightmare but is that true? <laughs> like no no hell no you know so maybe he was just being generous but it's interesting
0: the only story that I wanted that was not in here was the story of this book selling and like you getting this book deal because I feel like we were along for the ride for so many ups and downs and then you just kind of mentioned at some point like and then you know I got the second book and then you're so funny because you're like hi in <laughs> <And parentheses. laughs> I was like, that's so funny. I love that. And then you Thanks. just keep going. So at what point, like, when did that happen and how did that happen? Not, not, this is not a criticism. I'm not saying oh, you shouldn't no. put it in the book or anything. I'm just saying I was left wanting more. That's
1: all. Oh, good. No, that's great. It happened because I got so busy raising my kids and, and making a living as a freelance writer that I didn't realize I had been doing, like, my work was kind of popular, you know, you just you're in the grind, you're making your deadlines and strumming up new assignments. And I just didn't really realize until I wrote that article for The New York Times called like for Se- for parents, sex is dead or yes. R.I.P. sex or something. <laughs> and the, the feedback was unbelievable. And it went viral. And that article for me was something I just like wrote. In a in a second, you know, f- probably from the subway, <laughs> and I just put it out there into the world. And I, because the feedback was so nice, I was just like, "Oh, like I sh- I should be doing more. Like I should mm-hmm. write a second book." People people like what I have to say, or, or more than that, like it's making people happy and feel less alone. And it's it's easy for me to open up like that. It's very easy for me to talk about sex and heartbreak and you know misadventures of the heart. So. I called my agent, Meg Thompson, and I was like, Do you think I have another book in me? And at the same time, she knew. And uh, again, I was oblivious to the fact that my Sex Diaries column for New York Magazine had become a really big deal. And there's, you know, TV networks interested in it. And anyway, we were just like, Oh, yeah, you're having a moment. Like, I'm glad. I, I didn't even realize because I was just too busy surviving. But I was like, Something was happening, and I just decided to run with it. And I was like, I always knew for the second book, I would know when the time was right and I was like this is it's now let's go let's do it and I pitched this book to St. Martin's Press that's who I wanted and my editor Hannah Phillips like took it from there and made it all come to life and it's been a really really positive experience I loved it I would I can't wait to write my third
0: awesome I can't Uh, wait to read you've got the
1: you've got the bug (laughs) the bug too
0: How are you handling the people who you write about
1: in the story? Oh, that's the problem. I mean, the best writers are, like, I feel like you have to just not care. You just, like, can't care about Mm -hmm. making people mad or getting upset with you. You can't care about getting sued. Like, you just have to be like, fuck it. I'm an artist. I'm going to write what I want. I'm not that person.
0: (laughs) I know. I was like, "Go, Alyssa, you got this."
1: (laughs) I am in every other way. Like, we don't know each other that well socially, but in my personal life, I am very tough. Like, don't come for me. Don't come for my kids. Like, I'm pretty fierce. I'm my mother's daughter. I'm very fierce and I and and strong. When it comes to my books and my work, I don't want to get into any trouble. Mm -hmm. Again, this is my livelihood, so it's tricky. Like. There's a lot more I would have said. Of course. I'm not going to pretend. Like, there are details I would have loved to share with the world, but I'm afraid to hurt people I love, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid to lose work or whatever. So I try and tell the truth. I try to keep it positive because most of the people in my life I do, I am madly in love with, you know. And beyond that, I check I check almost everything with everybody <laughs> as much, you know. I I do the best I can and then I have really good lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you can do. That's all you can do. I, if you're going to be afraid you can't you can't call yourself a writer. Yeah. You can't. It just like it won't work or at least a memoirs. You know, like it's novel writing a novel would be great because I can just explore all of this and go as like deep and dark and dirty as I wanted I mean, to. That could be
0: your next thing. I
1: know it, it would be like it would be like becoming a surgeon. Though it's like a completely different know. art form. I feel like no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I bet you'd be really good at it.
1: Well, I definitely. There's a lot that it would be fun to release. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll well, stuff you wish you would. Yeah. <laughs> and what about your kids? Because I know other people often say, like, oh, how do you handle, you know, what do you, how do you write about your kids? How do you, are they characters? Like, do you, like, how do you handle that in literature? And not just in the book, but even in your life, right? Like, you're very open about who your kids are and posting and whatever. Like, did you make that decision at some point and say, like, this is great, this is who we are? Or do you question, do you, I don't know. Like, yeah. what's your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about that?
1: I'm I'm a really open person, and that's who I am. I haven't really had a heavy conversation with myself about it yet, I sort of say to myself before I write something or post something, is this something I would say at a dinner party? Like, is this something I would share at a work lunch with my my colleagues? And if the answer is yes, then I'm okay with it. As far as like my daughter's creation story and the sperm donor and the anonymous, the an- anonymity of him, I felt more protective of him in a way because that's the unspoken deal. I don't know who he is, but that's the unspoken deal we have is that he will remain anonymous and I have to respect that. And I love this man. He he gave me the greatest gift of my life, my daughter. So I was protective of the few details I know about him. And then I I do just think I have a good sense of what's okay and what's not. My kids are still young. My daughter's 6, my son's 2. I'm sure things will change and it will become a little bit more a little bit more complicated. But for now, I I just trust myself as a mother, and I know what I'm comfortable with, and I can leave it at that.
0: That's such an interesting thing, to love someone and be so grateful to someone you've never met, and perhaps will not meet. I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens. And that he could just be walking past you, sitting next to you on the subway. Like, do you look at everybody around, ever, and think like... I mean, I know you have the one <laughs> yeah. thing where you thought maybe that was him,
1: but... There's a scene in the book where so donors get celebrity lookalikes, and I actually I call him Vince Vaughn. I disguise that because the real you, if you were to go to California Cryobank and go, you know that that would have been too revealing. It was an actor like Vince Vaughn. I thought I saw him in real life in L.A., and I was like, this is the moment, like. And what do you say? Like, I was just, for me, I'm never speechless, but I was speechless. because I was almost positive this was a sperm donor, just based on who I imagined he would grow up to be. I've only seen childhood photos. And I just made, first of all, I was frozen. I could like, I just couldn't move. I was in a state of shock. And also, I just made this quick mental calculation that it was better he remained, a, like, a mysterious superhero mm-hmm. to me. It was better he remained a fantasy. I didn't want to know that he was like going to his job at Home Depot and then to like choir practice or who knows. It's like, all of that would have been great at no judgment, but I don't want those details. I just want him to be like this angel, gorgeous with great genes, very healthy DNA angel who helped me get pregnant. And I can leave it at that. Yeah.
0: amazing. Yeah. I even love how you, at one point in the story, you're, like, trying to figure out. You're, like, I feel like something's coming next. I feel like I'm getting this vibe, and then all of a sudden you're, like, oh, it's motherhood. Like, that's what I want to do next. I know. Like, I just know it now 100%. I've identified it, and now I'm doing it.
1: I'm so glad that someone raised – my parents raised me, or who knows, I was born with, like, the sense to grab that. Like, Mm -hmm. when you know something to be so true that I I – I just grabbed it, and I was not letting go of it. I was convinced it was now was the time. And I meet so many women now who are, like, just trying it on for size. Like, maybe I'll become a single mom or whatever. And I'll see it, and then I'm like, they're not ready to grab it. Yeah, anyone. Anyway, like, beware of me if you want to have a baby and you're not sure how, because I will get you pregnant. I, will, I am, like, relentless because it was... It was the best decision ever. And I granted, I had a built-in support system, tons of family. I never had a nanny, but I had my mother, my father, and tons of friends. But I don't know. I, it, you got to, if you want to be a mom and you know that for sure, just you have to make it happen. It's too tragic otherwise. And there's so many ways. Somebody once said to me when I was trying to get pregnant, I never met a woman who wanted to become a mother and didn't find a way how. Right? There's so much, there's ways. Well, there are lots there's of ways hope. to be a mother, too. Right? That, exactly. Many mm-hmm. definitions. And just, there's lots of hope. You're from a Jewish
0: family, and I feel like your Judaism also played a role as one of like, the themes in the book. I just, just <clears throat> talk a little more about that and how it plays into your life now. And
1: yeah, thanks for It's so funny when we were talking about press for the book, they were like, how about Vogue? And like, hopefully we'll get Zibby. And, and I was like, what about, like, Boston Jewish Life? I don't even know if that's a magazine. I don't know why I want – and, of course, like, 92nd Street, why? Like, there were so many things. I really felt like this was – like, this book had, like, such a Jewish soul. Yep. And I rejected my, Jew, like, my Jewishness for many years. I never cared about marrying a Jewish guy. I mean, I still have never had pork or shellfish, which is shocking considering I had a baby with a Lebanese sperm donor. <laughs> but, you know, being Jewish is a lot about – contradictions and I've embraced those contradictions. I just all I can say is when I got pregnant with Hazel, the Jewish community, the chabad, not to be like preachy or whatever, because it's not for everyone, but um, they were really there for me. They in so many ways, without wanting anything back. And it meant a lot to me. When I was about to become a single mom, the people that lifted me up and supported me, I will never forget. Like I will never forget my friend Heather who left me a homemade like jar of lentil soup the day I came home from the hospital. My friend Danielle, I mentioned her a million times in the book, who like bought me a fancy oof crib. <laughs> like this was almost seven years ago. Like I will never forget these things, and you know it's it's important to hold on to that. That's the stuff that matters.
0: You give me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. People um, sometimes the people you least expect come forward, and in times hundred they, percent. Like, oh my gosh, that's so nice.
1: Oh my god! Absolutely, it's. I talk a lot about. Um, I don't talk a lot about it, but I'm like, I'm whatever. I'm like the opposite of a class mom or the opposite of like a PTA mom. I'm I'm busy. I'm I'm disorganized. <laughs> like my my kids like never show up with the right t-shirt for the right event, you know. And I'm always like, oh, PTA moms, da da da. And then recently, somebody who was very involved in my daughter's school asked me for coffee, and I was like, oh, she's going to want me to write something for them, and they're going to. And I was like okay, I, but I have, I have a hard out in 20 minutes, you know, very important. And she was like, we just wanted to throw you a book party. Like, we just wanted to have an event for you. And we, we want to pay for it. And we said it, we, we found a place and they're in. And I was like, I was moved to tears. Because here I am judging like, all these, you know, super moms, because I feel like I'm not one. And they were just there to show up for me. You know, so it is, it does come from unexpected places. And and I really, I, I have so much gratitude. I, it's, I'm not just using the word. It's like, it's, it fills my heart.
0: I love that so much. <laughs> I love that so much. What kind of books do you like to read?
1: Okay, so I'm an audible whore. <laughs> <laughs> I just went on a, a real uh, Taylor Jenkins read binge. Mm-hmm. I did it all backwards because... God forbid I do anything the normal way. So I did Malibu Rising, Daisy Jones. I loved J- Daisy Jones so much I can barely talk about it without like starting to quiver. And then the Evelyn mm-hmm. one, which I start- um Molly Shannon's book. Mm-hmm. Have you started I, it yet? No, I
0: have it right here. And
1: Do it on Audible so you can hear her voice.
0: Okay, I will. That's a great idea.
1: It is so good, Zibi, I'm not saying this because we're friends. It is so good. It's it's so heartbreaking and it's so funny. Everybody says that about every single book, but this one is truly okay. a, um, a combination. I know ex- she
0: had such like trauma in her life early and all of that. Until Definitely. I was reading all the reviews and everything.
1: Yeah, I just texted my friend who uh, the one friend I know Molly from, and I was like, "Am I gonna die at the end of this book? Like, is it gonna break my heart? Is it gonna destroy me?" And she's like. You're gonna cry, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna wait until I until I put my book out, until I like get through all this. I don't think I can handle like just crumbling to the ground in Brooklyn Heights, sobbing right now. I'm I'm fragile enough. <laughs> so that, that's like sort of the genre. I'll read Jesse Klein's book. I'm sure I'll love it and hate it because I want to be her so bad." And I love your books. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I just got it, as you know, so I haven't it too far, but it's right in my wheelhouse. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I do feel like there are similarities to our stories in some ways, like setbacks and writing and trying to accomplish something and obstacles and books and I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it's what I know about. <laughs> maybe it's more like what I know in my head that maybe, that maybe is not even in the book. You know
1: what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like I pick up on it, but I get what you're saying. I don't know. Maybe anyway. Yeah. But. Uh, no, we're, well, there's a reason. Like, we, we wouldn't be here today, like, yes. in your living room, <laughs> touching knees <laughs> if we didn't feel, like, a certain sense of, you know, closeness.
0: I promise I will set the second microphone up <laughs> soon.
1: No, it's great. It's great. This is, like, real down-to-earth, like, gritty podcasting. This is how i it. On the Upper East Side. It. This is
0: how I've been doing it the whole time. I'm like, I know. You're like, I thought you'd have, like, equipment like, and be prepared. Where's my headset? I'm where's like, my assistant?
1: No. Where's my Pellegrino? No, no, no. I <laughs>
0: literally, like, plug in the one I bought on Amazon from day one, and this is how I still do it. I
1: love it. It's, yeah, it's good. Much. It's you. <laughs> um, I um, actually want to say I only have two regrets about the book. One, that I call Jake Gyllenhaal an asshole. Mm, I did
0: notice that. <laughs> I was surprised by that. I had not heard. I hadn't heard that, but you know,
1: I'm not saying it's not true. It just okay. it came out so harsh. Okay, it, that was it, And I see his sister. All I see her sister almost every day in my neighborhood, and I'm just like, I want to be her friend, but I also don't want her to find out that I'm the one who called her brother an asshole. So I'm I'm avoiding her. And the second one is like, I wish I had like declared my like love for you somewhere in the Me? book. Oh my god, stop! <laughs> not like not, like, de- like I wouldn't dedicate the book to you. <laughs> But um, oh my gosh. but so we got closer, and you started becoming like I supporting this book in particular after it was all said and done, and and out the printer and everything. I do not. Even I know think you think don't care. I know you care zero. But you have to me been part of this journey, and oh. but yeah, I will dedicate my third book to you. No, no, no. <laughs> I know you would die. You yeah, would, you would die. be would, that I is not die. your style. But I just wanted to say that. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> That's really nice last question (laughs) you and Jake Gyllenhaal in the same sentence
0: yeah thank you two regrets Jake and me okay (laughs) what advice
1: do you have for aspiring authors oh god what can I say that hasn't been said before again I'm not the kind of author that's like go deep into the woods and like find your inner soul I'm like get an internship work your ass off make a million contacts prove yourself to be invaluable do good work never miss a deadline hustle Email some, an editor back a hundred times in a row if they're too busy to get back to you. I mean, that's the kind of advice I would give is just push hard, fight for yourself, advocate for yourself, assert yourself. No editor or agent or whatever is going to, going to begrudge you for being too confident or too aggressive or too hungry. It's a beautiful thing. So yeah, just go for it with everything.
0: Thank you, Alyssa. This oh, was so fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I can't wait to see it come out in the world and all the, all the exciting things to, to follow. So Thank you.
1: Me too.
0: <laughs> Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zivy and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zivy and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zivy Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids.
2: Hi! Hi! Hello! Enjoy the show! Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a moonpig card. Get 50% off your
1: first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting
2: even softer over time.